You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome again to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet, Greeley, Colorado, June 2nd, 2021, Wednesday. Episode 69 of Season 3, Episode 134 of this podcast. Today we're going to talk about Ron DeSantis, governor of the great state of Florida, great governor of the state of Florida, however you prefer to put it. His recently signing a piece of legislation in his state to protect girls' sports from biological males competing under the guise of being transgender. The article in the Daily Wire from yesterday, June 1st, titled DeSantis on NCAA Threat to Pull Events from States that Protect Girls' Sports. To hell with your events. Let's read just a little bit of the article and then some commentary. Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis slammed the NCAA during a Fox News interview on Tuesday night that highlighted a bill that DeSantis signed earlier in the day that protected girls' sports in the state. Quote, I think as these bills were going through various legislatures, I remember the NCAA put out a statement saying, any state that enacts this, we're not going to hold events there, DeSantis said. And so I called the Speaker of the House in Florida and I said, did you hear what they said? And he's like, yeah. I said, we definitely got to get this done, end quote. Quote, you can't be cowed by these organizations or particularly by woke corporations from doing the right thing. And so my view was throughout this whole time, we have to protect our girls. It is discriminatory to force them to compete against biological males, DeSantis continued. And so if the price of having a tournament is that I have to deny equal opportunity to hundreds of thousands of young girls and women athletes throughout Florida, I am much more willing to stand with the girls and to hell with these events, end quote. So what do we have going on here? We have biological males, born boys, born to be men, who decide that they are a girl trapped in a boy's body. They are a woman trapped in a man's body. And they decide that the first thing they want to do after discovering this fact that they are misgendered, that they were actually a female trapped in a male's body, the first thing they want to do is they want to jump into sports and they want to compete with women who are trapped in women's bodies, girls who are trapped in girls' bodies, females who are females. The males who have gender dysphoria or an identity crisis, or they just think that this is a way in our day and age to be celebrated, to be lauded, to be praised, to have parades thrown in their honor. These persons decide one way or another, they're going to compete in sports leagues for females. And what happens when they do? Biologically, they are males, whether they want to identify as a female or not. And however poorly they might do if they were up against other biological males in their own league, suddenly they are dominating. Suddenly 
They are faster than everybody else. They're stronger than everybody else. They're more coordinated than everybody else. They're more aggressive than everybody else. And they win. Not only do they win sometimes, occasionally, they dominate consistently. But wait, Garrett, gender is a social construct. There's no distinctive inherent difference between men and women. What you're saying, what you're describing is not possible because gender is a social construct. So as soon as this biological male identifies as a female, he, now she, should be just like all the other girls, just like all the other women, right? Well, no. Actually, it turns out the emperor has no clothes and you just saying a thing does not make it true. Now, there's this little thing which, as a term, there's this thing which I grew up knowing the word for, but apparently not everybody did. There's this thing which commonly is known as a lie. Now, what is a lie? A lie is a statement which does not comport with reality and you are on purpose making a statement which does not comport with reality. There's a difference between a lie and being merely mistaken. There's a difference between a lie and saying something that you thought was true but isn't actually true. But when you make an intentionally false statement, that false statement does not suddenly change reality in terms of now the untrue statement becomes true just because you made it, just because you want it to be true. The untrue statement continues to be untrue and reality continues to be reality. And the goal when I was growing up, the goal of education, the goal of parenting, the goal of communication with other people was to try and get at the truth, to try and describe reality as it is, to try and conform our actions to reality. That's what good decision-making is all about, is you look at reality as it is, and if you're in a group, if you're building a culture, if you're building a family, if you're building a workplace, a business, a society, you want your decision-making to be based and predicated on the truth. You want your communication to be predicated on the truth. And whenever your decision-making does not accord with reality, buckle up because you're going to have some bad decisions. You're going to have some poor choices which negatively impact the metrics. Now, there's lots of metrics. There's lots of things you could pursue. There's lots of goals you might have. So you have to figure out what do you want. What are your goals? What are you after? And that helps to decide what decisions you need to make and also what metrics you can use to measure your progress towards the goal that you have in mind. In the case of the progressive left, in the case of the LGBTQ, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way through Z movement, the goal is not success on traditional terms. In fact, the goal is to abolish traditional notions of success. We want to abolish the most fundamental aspect of human existence, which is gender. We're going to abolish it. We're going to muddy the waters in every way imaginable, and we will applaud ourselves. We will pat ourselves on the back as we do so. 
regardless the carnage, regardless the destruction, regardless the collateral damage, emotionally, physically, economically, it doesn't matter because what we desire, if we are of that mindset, is revolution. The issue is not the issue, as David Horowitz once famously said in his book, Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America. And Horowitz, by the way, is not a Christian. Just for the record, he is not a Christian. He grew up in a home raised by two communists, actually. He grew up of the left, and then at a certain point, he had a realization that the left was not genuine and that all these things he thought he was fighting for were shallow, hollow uh, efforts at getting power, at being cruel, at being unkind and unjust, all the while pretending to be the opposite of those things, pretending to distribute power more equitably, pretending to uh, be about getting more justice, better justice, more true justice, all the while perpetuating injustice, willfully, flagrantly, uncaringly, unceasingly. But I read his book a number of years ago, a couple of years ago, I think it was, and in it, he says very memorably that the issue is not the issue, the issue is the revolution. And I believe he's quoting somebody else, but I'll quote him, and you can read his book, and it's a very informative book, talking about how Christianity in particular in American politics and culture formation and education, Christianity is the one to beat as far as religions go. It's not every religion which is in the crosshairs when it comes to the progressive left. It is Christianity, especially because Christianity is what Western civilization has been predicated on. It's what the American Revolution was shaped and molded by. It's what American history has been up until recent decades, very much guided by, even when not every man Jack has been a Christian, even when you can say, well, this person was not an Orthodox Christian by any stretch of the imagination. These guys over here might have been Masons. Those guys over there were deists. These guys here were avowed atheists. At the end of the day, the popular sentiment, the popular morality, the popular conviction and religious belief of choice was Protestant Christianity. And so whether you're talking about Puritans or you're talking about the Calvinist Dutch or you're talking about whoever, Christianity being the majority religion, our concept of what was right and wrong, of what was true and false, was shaped based on Christian thinking and life. Our laws, our Bill of Rights, our Constitution was predicated on a Christian understanding of reality, of who we are as human beings, who God is, what his purpose is for having created us, what, why are we here, who are we, why are we here, what are we supposed to be doing, what are we supposed to be about. The left, especially in the past century, has been rabidly against orthodox historical expressions of Christian faith in public, in law, in government, in education, in academia, in pop culture. And so they are relentlessly trying to drive those expressions of Christianity out because they don't want to be inhibited. They don't want to be encumbered. And one of the levers for driving the expression of Christian faith from public life is the LGBTQ movement. It just is. In a society where 
there was total secularity and people shrugged at lesbianism and homosexuality and bisexuality and transgenderism in a society where these things were not so outrageous and they've lost their uh, ability to shock people the majority of people these things would not be useful anymore but their ability to shock to get attention is useful to unprincipled leftists who desire power above all things the LGBTQ movement is useful in that it creates this conflicting of emotions wherein people, like when you're driving by a train wreck, people don't want to look because it's horrific. They also can't help looking because it's so unusual and it's so bizarre and it's so terrifying. You can't look away, but you also don't really want to look at it. And so you're just kind of stuck. You're, you're, you are paralyzed by the spectacle. That's what the LGBTQ movement has been. And also it's been a mechanism for a kind of soft terrorism, whereby anybody who does not get on board with the revolution is decried, denounced, called hateful, and told, we are going to destroy you. We're going to destroy you socially, politically, professionally. You will not be able to get a job in this town if you don't Shut up, sit down, give us what we want now. The LGBTQ movement has been lauded and put forward by its proponents as a civil rights movement, but it isn't about civil rights. It's not about equal rights. It's about making war on Christianity. It's about making war on the expression of Christianity in public life in every sector, in every facet. That's why Chris Pratt came under fire for being a Christian. It wasn't because he was running for office and people are worried about separation of church and state. No, it's because you have to drive the expression of Christianity from public life. You have to drive these traditional notions of right and wrong. Even the smallest vestige of these convictions from public life. And you have to lampoon and harass and terrorize anybody that would even think that Chris Pratt seems like a likable guy. Seems like a nice guy, seems like he's funny and handsome and strong and capable and he plays these exciting roles in big budget movies and it's hard not to like the guy. I'm not saying he's the example, but he is to the left because he's likable. And as Tim Allen said when his show, Last Man Standing, was canceled the first time around, as he put it, there's nothing more dangerous right now than a likable conservative And so, of course, my show has to be taken off the air because I'm a likable conservative. Of course, I have to be canceled. I'm funny. I'm nice. I'm likable. I get people sympathizing with these ideas, and the left just cannot tolerate that. They cannot stand for the public to think about it, to stop and think about it for a second. They also can't stand for somebody like Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis to say, to hell with your events. They can't stand it. It drives them crazy because their power right now, their ascendancy right now, is predicated on everybody being too afraid to stand up to them, to contradict them, to tell them no. Who would have thought that the little word no could have so much power to drive people insane? And yet that's what the LGBTQ movement is all about trying to fight that power. 
Power to the people, the power to do what exactly? To do anything, to destroy yourself? That's the kind of power you want? You're insane. I mean, you are. You're, you've lost your sanity. You are not living according to reality right now. You're not living according to goodness and truth objectively. In fact, you hate the idea of truth and goodness being defined outside of your own head. You hate the idea of people other than you weighing in on your life choices and saying, no, no, I've never heard that word before. How dare you say no? I'm for equal rights. The equal right to do what? To not be told no, right? Like what? What? What is it that you think equality means? That everybody just gets to do whatever they want all the time, whatever head, idea, heart idea comes up, they want to be able to do without being encumbered. At a certain point, it stops being enough to embrace homosexuality. It stops being enough to embrace transgenderism. At a certain point, pedophilia will become, is becoming, actually, is becoming the next cause du jour for the LGBTQ movement. They're going to add a P, and some places they already have, and the P is for pedophile because these people were just born this way. And if we're going to open the door to all these other folks doing whatever they feel like, and the issue is not the issue, the issue is the revolution, then why not embrace P as well? P for pedophile. Kudos to Ron DeSantis for having the courage. C stands for courage. The courage to stand up to the woke mob, to woke incorporated, to the NCAA, a corrupt organization, which is now just an instrument of the left. Kudos to him for having the courage to do what Christy Nome in South Dakota flat didn't have the courage to do. And I'm going to shock you and I'm going to appall you, not because the goal is to shock and appall you, but because the goal is to get at the truth about gender, not just to be against the LGBTQ movement, but to be for what God says about gender. The goal is to be for what God says we're supposed to be about and to be opposed to the things which God says thou shalt not do. We're not legalistic and we don't believe as Christians that we are saved by works, by keeping the law. We're not under the law, but we're also not antinomian if we are good Christians who read our Bibles. We're not lawless. There are warnings against lawlessness in the New Testament, and those warnings against lawlessness are not at odds with the passages concerning grace. The two are not mutually exclusive, and anybody who tells you otherwise it has an agenda. They have a axe to grind, or they have some prize in sight, which believing in a standard of morality, of righteousness, of good and evil, of truth and falsehood would get in the way of. They have corrupt intentions. And if they seem popular, that's because they have a lot of folks who lack discernment, who have itching ears that want to be tickled. And that popular following is, they're just there because they have an agenda. They're there because they also have a goal in mind they're pursuing, something that they want to do, that they want to remove barriers and impediments between them and doing. 
and doing freely and doing within, with abandon, doing fully, doing constantly, whatever that is. In a world where there is no standard of right and wrong, it's every man and woman and child for themselves, and then it is might makes right. If there is no God, then there's no accountability. Ultimately and eternally, this life is all we have. And if you want to do something, do it if you can get away with it. Is it evil? Well, there is no evil. Is it good? There is no good. Good is whatever you want to do. It's whatever enters your imagination. It's whatever you feel like. Because there's nothing higher or more profound that you could possibly know that you know that you know outside of your own feelings. Some people get to the point where they can't even know their own feelings. They don't know how they feel. And then they're really lost. And then they're really confused and frustrated. And that's why so many people are depressed. It's because they just look at how are they feeling. They don't look at what's objectively true and good. That's why the best thing you can do for somebody who is suicidal, somebody who is depressed, somebody who is anxious, somebody who is tearing themselves apart at the seams, the best thing you can do for somebody who's in that circumstance is to gently, respectfully, but firmly remind them of what is good and what is true. Because that anchors their thinking once again. That gives them a compass. Good luck sailing on the oceans, the wide oceans where there are no landmarks to navigate by. Good luck doing that without some kind of a navigation tool. Good luck doing that without a map or GPS or compass. Good luck doing that without some sense of direction and where things are and where did you come from and where are you going. If you don't know where you came from and where you're going and how to get there, then you're lost. And that's just it. There's a lot of folks in our culture who are lost because they don't know where they come from. They don't know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, created in six days and rested on the seventh. They don't know that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Male and female, he created them. Two genders, by the way. Two, if you're counting, it's a really easy number to count to. One, two. Not zero, not 95, not five, not even three. Two. One, two. One, two. Male, female. Say it with me. Male and female. God created them. That is infuriating to people who have an agenda and they don't want to be found. They want to get more lost. They want to go off in the woods and they never want anybody to come looking for them again. They want everybody to be lost so that they don't have to feel bad or guilty or shamed. By contrast, when they're near and in proximity to people who are not lost and who refuse to be lost and who don't want them to be lost either, that's a buzzkill. You start telling somebody who is lost, who wants to be lost, that you're off of the rails here, you need to get back on the rails, this is not what God intended for your life. You start telling somebody like, these people, these people who don't even have to be LGBTQ, they can be allies, they can be allies because it's convenient to them, even if they have no attraction to their gender, even if they're still attracted to the opposite sex, if they want to live in a world unfettered by standards of good conduct, of truth, they might be an ally because it's convenient. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I wink and nod and affirm your total lack of morals, of righteousness, 
of constraint by the truth, and then you do the same for me. I'm going to look the other way when you are abusing God's creation, and you're going to do the same for me. But wait, now we're in a pickle because women's rights activists are saying this isn't fair to girls. This isn't fair to women. That's not fair that a biological female now can't win a scholarship, now can't win her trophy, now can't win her medal. That's not fair. That's not fair. Help, help, I'm being repressed. Come see the violence inherent to the system. But feminists and women's rights activists, they're so yesterday. And the issue isn't the issue. The issue is the revolution. So if we have to throw women's rights activists out in order to make room for the LGBTQ, because that's the flavor of the month, because that is the next step, because we've moved on, so be it. And isn't it ironic that you have a Republican governor stepping in and having to use language in order to get something passed, having to use the language of protecting our girls' sports in the name of equality? Is it in the name of equality? In a sense, men and women are equal, but equity is a lie where you say that the outcomes have to be the same. The outcomes cannot be the same unless you hold men back in the areas where they're stronger and you hold women back in the areas where they're stronger. You can't have the outcomes be the same unless you chip away at all of the strengths that people have that not everybody has and you downplay and marginalize and refuse to acknowledge the weaknesses that some people have that not everybody has. You have an impediment, I have an impediment. You have some areas where you are exceptional and accomplished and skilled and talented and capable of dominating, and so do I. And they're not the same areas. And when you read your New Testament, you don't read about women being oppressed. You read about women being submissive to their husbands. You read about children obeying their parents. You read about those who are lay people submitting to the authorities within the church, the overseers and the deacons. You read about everybody subjecting themselves to the scriptures as a guide for what is true and what is good. Everybody submitting themselves to God. And even in the person of Christ, you see Christ modeling submission to the Father. You see authority and submission. But not everybody who steps up and says, I am an authority, is actually an authority. Read human history and you see usurpers, you see contests for power, you see power struggles, you see civil wars. You get a civil war when you have competing claims to authority. The American Civil War involved states who said we no longer acknowledge the United States federal government. We're breaking away. We're seceding and forming our own government. And we are the supreme authority for how things are done, what is allowed and what is not allowed in our territories. We don't acknowledge your authority anymore, U.S. government. We are our own authority. So what happened then as the federal government, as the United States government, has a competing claim to authority with the Confederate States of America? They fight it out. And in a sense, you get might makes right. In a sense, you have trial by combat, this very ancient idea, which is the last resort. That is the last resort when all other efforts at mediating a dispute break down. 
all that's left is, well, now we're going to have to arm wrestle for it. Now we're going to have to have a duel. Pistols at dawn. You line up your army over there. We'll line up our army over here. Whoever still has an army at the end of the day gets to be in charge, gets to make the rules, gets to write the history. In the case of the left, you have to recognize this is a cultural war. The issue is not the issue. The issue is the revolution. This is about who wears the pants in the family. This is about who makes the rules, who interprets the rules, who lives under the rules, what the rules are. And ultimately, it isn't even really about Republican versus Democrat. This isn't about men versus women. This isn't about gay people versus straight people or transgender purples. Purples. Why don't we call them purples? I don't care. What's the difference, right? Like everything breaks down. Like (laughs) these are people. Are they people or are they colors? Well, they're people. Well, I think they're colors. I want to self-identify as the color green. Mm, Okay. Right? Like at a certain point, everything becomes so insane that my slip of the tongue there becomes hilarious and fantastic and it becomes a wedge. It becomes a human rights issue. How dare you discriminate against insane people? in your application process. We're for insane rights. The rights of the insane people to run corporations and our government and to teach your children how to also be insane. On that note, check out my book, and this is why we homeschool, available now on paperback and e-reader from amazon.com. Buy it today for someone you love. If you have children, buy it and read it to your children so that your children grow up and maybe have the right idea about their responsibility if they have children in turn. Buy my book, check it out. And this is why we homeschool by Garrett Ashley Mullet. But I digress. This is exactly what needs to happen. We have got to affirm that what God says is true is true. What God says is right is right. I'm not talking about whether or not you can eat shellfish and there's Verses that have to do with that, and we can unpack it if you want. There are verses that have to do with that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And in the New Testament, you have a pushing away on the ceremonial laws of cleanliness that are found in the Old Testament that were, as much as anything, a symbolic thing. They were, as much as anything, a way of separating God's people in the form of the nation of Israel. But we can get into that. It's not about what you're eating in terms of pork or certain types of land animal or sea creature or whether you're planting two types of crop in the same field or sewing a garment with multiple types of fabric. It's That's not what this is about. Although those things are symbolic and they have a significance, they have a meaning. In their context, you have to study it out, not just take it and run with it and try to lampoon God's word and the people who love God's word and love God. But what we have to do is we have to define what's good and what's true according to God's word. What God says is good is good. What God says is bad is bad. What God says is true is true. What God says is false is false. Let God be true and every man a liar. The Lord is a strong tower and those who find refuge in him are indeed safe. We have to hold to what God's word says 
first and foremost. And if we do that, there is blessing and there's prosperity and there's security in it. And those are good things to desire. If God says it's good to desire those things and he holds them out as a reward for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, if he promises those to those who repent, who turn away from their sins, who abide in his word, who meditate on his word, who fear him, if God promises those things as a reward, then they're good things that we should desire and we should encourage other people to desire them. And if people think that those things can be found better in rebelling against God, in loving death, in embracing insanity and iniquity and injustice and folly, then we can't go along with the wicked. We can't go along with the many. We can't affirm them and throw ticker tape parades for them and give them charge over our children and figure it's going to be without consequence. There will be a consequence. It's going to be painful. Pain is a teacher. Maybe we just have to at this point have the pain and come out on the other side and realize, okay, well, he was right. Maybe that's what it is. But better still would be to think ahead a little bit and to see the entirely predictable outcome of these bad choices and to turn back now. That would be far, far better. It can't stop with protecting women's sports, girls' sports. It didn't start there. But we have to be more than just against these revolutionary actions on the part of Woke Incorporated. We have to know why are we against these things and why are we for something else? Why are we for the thing that these people are trying to dismantle and deconstruct and destroy and tear down? Why are we for the things that we're for? If it's not because God said it is written, if it's not for that reason, then we're not going to be successful. It's not going to have the outcome that we think that it's going to have. We're not going to have blessings but more on that later. For now, I got to run. I got to go to work. I need to go pick up some stuff from one of our suppliers here in Greeley, Colorado, on my way to the plant. Let me know what you think. If you agree with me that DeSantis is the man of the hour right now, as far as Republicans go, he's the one showing some courage and integrity and intestinal fortitude. C is for courage. And we need more of it. Put a C behind his name. Don't put an R behind his name. Put a C behind his name. C stands for courage. Let me know what you think. But for now, i got to run. As always, thank you for listening. And until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.